Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. What up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Your Living Proof Podcast. I let him back. She let me back. We got this trend going on recently where... I'm either invited or uninvited, and I, I really don't know till it gets closer to the day of, so I just have to sit there and twiddle in my thumbs. Hmm, is she going <laughs> to let me come? He does not I think what thumbs. Here, I actually think the underlying factors that go into that are as if I've been a good boy. Oh. Like if she likes me for the week. Are there, are there any guys out there who kind of understand what that's like? Some weeks your wife likes you, and other weeks she doesn't, and you may have changed absolutely nothing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is... Well, and I shouldn't say weeks. It's just sometimes there's these periodical days, facts. like a couple days where no matter what. No. So anyway, when those days happen, maybe I get X'd. But I'm grateful to be back. This is episode 20. Yeah. That's crazy, huh? I'm so happy about it. Yeah. And all I know is that we've been able to contact and get to know a few people from doing this show. So I can say it's worth it. Yes. Been able yes. to help some people. I wanted to touch base on something real quick before we get moving. Last week when I wasn't here, and I'm just joking, it wasn't because I was in the doghouse, but my uh-huh. wife had a very special guest on, someone I care about, someone whose family I care about greatly. And uh, I just wanted to give a quick little update. Or do you, Would you like to do that? No, I would love that. Okay. I think it's awesome. And I hope you have listened to the last week's episode with Holly because it was super... <laughs> super powerful she's amazing and she talked very frankly uh about her brother who has been struggling with addiction for 20 years and so her family has as well obviously so many roadblocks and if any of you have already been through that you understand that there are so many obstacles in the way even when you start to gain some momentum have some success you just get steamrolled by so many different challenges well i'm sure you heard them. If you haven't, please go listen to that episode. That's just a personal witness, a personal explanation of the process for them and their family. I think really what it sheds light on is the importance of having help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I listened to it and I was actually humbled by it. It it really lifted my spirits, but it was just a testament of having someone help you who either knows or has been through it themselves. Anyway, the, the update is her brother, is currently in treatment. He is currently in the process of (laughs) breaking down all the walls he's put up, all the fears that he has, and he's in the process of healing now. Yeah, and so is is she. The family. And her family. And listen, there is an uphill battle. We all know that. There's still a lot of challenges ahead. There's a lot of failure with this, but the process has begun. So I just wanted to share that positive news. Can you read um, a little bit of the text that you got from her? Yeah, I would love to. I guess little parts of the text, I'm just trying to figure out. Because it's cool because it's like her. Why don't you read the parts you thought were cool? It's a group text. And if you listen to Holly's episode, she talked a lot about the courses and the things that she and her family members learned from the courses. And they're like quoting parts of the coursework that she did in this email. Or I'm sorry, in this text. She says, yay, family triangle becomes stronger. We can do this. Which and is then, one, one topic in those courses. That's yes. cool. Yes, and then the next um, sibling says, we can do this because it's what is best for him and for this family who has been in turmoil for 20 years. 
Courage, faith, and lots of prayers is what is needed for all of us right now. No more fixing and patching holes, not allowing him to manipulate us. From the mouth of Danny, we have to be the disruption or nothing is going to change. And at the very end, it just says, we're just leaving the treatment center where they took him. He's in a great place. Thank you so much. So obviously this family knows the struggles ahead, but for this moment, we have a chance. So it's great news. We just wanted to share those. These success stories are awesome. So please tune into that podcast, the last one, number 19, and, and hear it from a first count. First hand account, right out of Holly's mouth. She tells you everything. Yeah. And know because of those things that were discussed, now he's in the process of healing. So, you know, I actually listened to that podcast myself, mainly because I wasn't invited. <laughs> but I listened to it on an airplane and it really, it almost brought tears to my eyes hearing someone talk about this, you know, I do it, I grind, I do it, I grind. And I have these same experiences with so many families, Yeah. but to actually hear someone say it and you know, while I'm sitting on a plane and the way they summarized it, it was beautiful and powerful. I was actually headed to California. There was a big church banquet, I guess you could call it right. A big church gathering where several different areas came together and they had asked me to come out and speak. And so I came out representing my own company, Living Proof, and also an, another foundation that we've partnered with called Save the Kids. And we shared this powerful message. It was an incredible experience. It, the message was twofold. It was one about social media, phones, internet, and the pressures that kids have at such a young age with that subject and how detrimental it is to so many young people. And then also how it it is the bridge right into addiction. Right. And so... You know, we look forward to giving this presentation in a lot of other places, but it was powerful. And afterwards, I got to speak with just, I mean, there was a line of young people wanting to explain to me, you know, such tragic things about their best friend that had committed suicide or their friends that are now involved in drugs or have pornography addictions. And all of these kids that came up to me inside this church were young, mm -hmm. not like 18, 19, we're talking 13, 12, 15, it was just humbling. You know, I didn't know if the message maybe scared some of them. You know, you're always wondering how people are going to receive it, but it was just something that every one of them could relate to. So it was a really positive experience. I was grateful I had it. And uh, today on this episode, episode 20, I felt really strongly that the topic today needed to be AUD. Do you even know what that acronym is? No. Okay. <laughs> Neither do I. I. I hate all these acronyms, but it's alcohol use dis disorder, oh, better known simple. as alcoholism. Okay. Okay. But before we get into that, and, and the reason we're going to talk about that, I'm going to give you a little teaser here. I have personally witnessed in the last several years, far more, and this is becoming the most common theme more and more these days, far more illicit drug users. We're talking about the people that you... the you categorize as the worst, right? The like, meth addicts. Yeah, meth addicts, heroin addicts, cocaine addicts, the ones that are living on the street and pick little scabs all over their face. I'll tell you what, far more people in that state are recovering than those who are addicted to alcohol. Yeah, that. And, I, and I'm going to give you a little insight as to why. But before we get into that, my beautiful blondie said she had something to share. <laughs> well, and it kind of goes along with, you know, the the message that you shared last week with with the parents and the the youth at the church but it's the 98% oh rule. yes and 
I find this is a truly, truly powerful concept. I, it definitely applies to addiction, but it definitely applies to every other decision that you make in your life. And it is that 100% of the time is easier than 98% of the time. Total discipline, right? Right? Yeah. So it's, it is easier to follow your moral compass 100% of the time than it is to follow it 98 Which is interesting because 98 seems like a great percentage, right? an A+. Like, but I'm ahead of the curve. It's because I think so many of us feel like the big pivotal moments in our life come with like these flashing lights where we're like, oh, this is a huge hinge point. This is a big decision that's going to change the trajectory of my life. And maybe that's, maybe there are some of those too. But most of the time, we are simply faced with a series of small and everyday decisions that don't seem like they have high stakes attached to it, but they do when they compound. And so when you cross that line just 2% of the time, it just opens the doorway to doing it again. Well, can I tell you, there's a young man I've been mentoring for a while. Incredible. I've grown to love him so much and his family. He's, he's been clean now for over a year, but he's had two or three little hiccups along the way. Yeah. Some people yes. call those relapses or just little moments, right? But there's been a couple little hiccups along the way that were nothing other than a moment, one right. single choice. And if you looked at the big picture and you know what he's overcome, these little moments were pretty insignificant, right? Yeah. Someone who had a drug and alcohol problem, maybe one night they took some Valiums. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. maybe one night they took some Xanax or maybe just one time they had some edibles. Right. But it, which are marijuana edibles. exactly what this is about, which is just this one time. No. And so what I want to say is it's amazing because he and I talked about this after you shared this with me a while back. And yes, 98% of the time he's been doing everything he's supposed to mm -hmm. do. But what we sat down, we're sitting under this tree talking and I thought it was powerful. His perspective, that little two or 3% of the time when he, failed yeah, or yeah. didn't toe the line had so much power and consumption in his life. Yeah. Yes. Right? Like the guilt and shame that came from it. There was some, you know, one of them had some, a, a little tragic moment with one of his friends and there caused some damage and property damage. And so what I'm saying is those little moments ended up having such a huge impact on their yeah. life. And that that's why it's so powerful because I think so many of us really do believe well, if I just do this one time, it, it, it's not a big deal. And really, I'm doing it because of this, right? It's some extenuating circumstance. But life is one eternal extenuating circumstance. Yeah. It truly, truly is. And so if you don't uphold what you believe 100% of the time, then the 98 just keeps getting chipped down to, you know, 2%, 2%, 2% less. And then you're in a very different place yep. and it, it slowly happens. So my opinion, your personal moral compass or whatever goals you've set for yourself in recovery or just in your own life, they only have value because you uphold them. Yep. But if you don't respect your own boundary, then you'll quickly find you're going to end up in a, in a very different place. And you know what? The 2% is just a real easy way for people to justify things they shouldn't be doing. Sure. And I've seen so many people, right? Well, again, cause I, they're tiny. Yeah. I know so many functioning addicts, right? Like functioning alcoholics as well. 
or incredible men who have just a tiny problem with pornography. Yeah, right. Here's the deal. That little 2% of the time that you're engaged in something you shouldn't be, it may not have these detrimental effects, right? Sure. It might not be... Your wife is leaving. Yeah, you're not, you're not causing a disaster in your life. But what you're doing is keeping something alive. And what I call that is the opportunity, right? Addiction just waits. Yeah. Waits for the right opportunity, right? Maybe you're a guy who only looks at pornography once in a great while. Maybe it's someone who drinks, binge drinks once in a while. What you do is you keep something alive and it's that addiction because right. there will come a time in your life when you lose a job, when one of your children gets sick, when someone you care about dies, something tragic will happen. That little thing you've kept alive, just 2% will immediately become your best friend. Amen. I love that. And I just, I guess for any of our listeners, I think the way any improvement in your life and any area happens is when you commit to yourself to uphold whatever boundary or goal you have set one. Yeah. And, and listen on that note, people do fail. We do make mistakes, but I think if you have that mentality, Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I'm going to, I'm going to get all back in. I'm going to get back in a hundred percent. Yep. That's cool. That's, that's That's awesome. That's called winning the fight. Yep. Right. It's just that when people have those 2%, what it often leads to is that sense of they failed Mm -hmm. that sense of shame, guilt. I messed up and it gets, takes a hold of them. Right. right? So if you do mess up, if you do make a mistake, just reinvest a hundred percent. Amen. You're not doing it. Just sometimes totally you're agree. doing it all the time. Well, that just leads into today, to today's topic, which is alcoholism. A-U-D. <laughs> A-U-D. People use that. And I, I swear the first 20 times I heard that, my brain just ignored it and I kept moving on. I'm like, maybe they just were having a little moment. Yeah. I, I didn't really know what that was, but it's irrelevant to me. Because alcoholism is like any other form of substance abuse. It's a disease. Now, that's a fact. My personal opinion is... Every addiction starts with some bad choices. Yeah. It does. You're doing something at a certain time in your life, whether it's for peer pressure, curiosity, maybe it's the necessary means to discomfort or pain that you have, or it just seems fun at the time. It always starts with a bad choice. But over time, regardless of if it's sex, alcohol, drugs, eating disorders, whatever it is, you develop a disease. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you actually rewire the way your brain works. So alcoholism is a problem that leads to many symptoms, including things like other addictions, which are cravings, loss of control, physical dependency, and also tolerance. You know, I think with opioids, tolerance is a big deal, you know, especially with heroin and things like that. But alcohol might be the worst. Yes. Where what it took for you to get buzzed or to feel good quickly, if not day number two increases where you have to take more, you have to drink double, you have to drink something with more alcohol. That's how it works. And these symptoms are major contributors to why most people who become alcoholics just can't stop drinking. And alcoholism really affects people in all walks of life. It does. It might be the one drug on the face of the planet, that and porn, that affect any walk of life. There's a lot of reasons into that. We'll get into them later on, obviously, because it's legal. It's easily available at any time, 24-7, usually within a, a mile radius of your home. And it's socially accepted. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, and we'll get into those in a minute. I wanted to read something here. I have my own opinion about the CDC. 
when you're trying to share st- statistics about mental health, it's, you know, one of the most known places, but these statistics, however you feel about places like the CDC, I just want to kind of have a broad overview of them yeah. to set the stage. Yeah. I also want to preface by saying all of these statistics, especially when it comes to addiction and mental health are so outdated. Yeah. So I'm going to share with you these statistics and I want you to keep in mind something very powerful. These statistics, every time it comes to the mental health, they're at least two or three years old. Mm -hmm. So anything you go out and find is going to be pre-what? COVID. Pre-COVID, pre-lockdowns, okay? So according to the CDC, more than 100,000 people a year die from alcohol-related deaths in the U.S. And alcohol continues to be one of the nation's most preventable causes of death. Isn't that crazy? Wow, yeah. Second, (laughs) this is the one that gets me, second to number one, which is... Tobacco or poor diet? Okay. Second only to tobacco and a poor diet and a sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. That's kind of mind-blowing. I also want you to know that alcohol is one of, if not the number one contributor to domestic violence, abuse, unprotected sex, automobile accidents, and suicide. More than 65 million Americans report binge drinking in the past month. Again, pre-COVID. Yeah. That number's probably close to 90 now. Uh-huh. Each year, 97,000 sexual assaults among American college students involve alcohol. Drunk driving costs the United States over $200 billion a year. Over 60% of people have significantly dr- increased their drinking during COVID and the lockdowns. So again, that plays tribute to everything we were just talking about. Subsequently, domestic violence has skyrocketed to an all-time high. You want to know why? Because during all these lockdowns, liquor stores are considered essential business. Yeah, because so people literally you die. you can't go anywhere. Your kids are locked in your house. You're locked in your house. And dad's just drinking. Mom's just drinking. Can you imagine a more terrible situation? Here's some other interesting things, and I'll stop boring you with details or statistics, but get this. Online, okay? Online liquor store sales, which is awesome, right? Yeah. It's like Grubhub. You can just order liquor right to your house. Yeah. But online liquor store sales, we're going to deliver it to you. Amazon's going to bring it to your doorstep, doorstep, was 260% increase year over year. In the first three weeks of March, it went up 262%. This was March of last year. In April 2020, total alcohol sales were up 234% in the United States. So I'll tell you what, man. COVID was literally a game changer for the alcohol industry. Yeah. When so many other people were suffering, holy cow. Yeah. People were drinking like fish. The John Hopkins University of Maryland, Baltimore surveyed and said 60% of participants report drinking more alcohol after March 2020 than they ever had before. Those are all statistics showing, like you said, we have a serious problem. I want to talk about some of those symptoms that that we talked about real quick, like cravings. What is a craving? It's a strong need or urge to drink, right? Yeah. I mean, we have cravings for, what's your craving? Chocolate. Chocolate. My craving's you. Okay. How was that? Okay. I like that. Loss of control. Not being able to stop drinking once the drinking has begun. 
That seems to be the case with every alcoholic. And then physical dependence. Withdrawal symptoms such as nausea, sweating, shaking, and anxiety. I'm going to share with you something you may not know. And if you do know, cool. That just means you've had some serious problems in your life like me. But (laughs) if you were to be arrested today, thrown in the slammer, right? They call it the drunk tank. There's usually this holding cell that they put everybody in when they haul you in until they put you in your cell block where you're going to. I'll never forget that time. Anyway, if you get thrown in jail, if you are addicted to heroin, meth, some of these other opioids, they say, here's the saying, you'll wish that you could die. That's how uncomfortable you're going to be, the physical dependency. If you're addicted to alcohol, if you're an alcoholic, they actually will give you alcohol. Yeah, they'll treat you, huh? They will treat you, whether it's with an IV drip, alcohol straight into your veins or whatever needed. The other, they have other medications they use now, but they will treat you because why? Because you will actually die. Not you like die. wish you would die. You will die. You can die. That's how serious it is. It's so serious. If you were to be locked up, they have to medically treat you for that. Everything else are just like tough. Go ahead. Soil yourself. Vomit in the corner. Shake like a fish out of water. But if it's alcohol, it's that dangerous. And then the tolerance level. The need to drink greater amounts which is why you see every alcoholic over time erode. Their skin changes colors. Mm-hmm. They smell different. It's because the amount of alcohol is just incredibly high. I wanted to give you guys some of my own personal insights, just experiences that I've had, firsthand experiences. And this stems from everything of obviously having a UD alcohol <laughs> disorder in my own life during the entire treatment process that I went through the first two or three rigorous years of my recovery, being right next to holding, comforting, working with hundreds of other alcoholics. And then of course the last 12 years after that, all the experience that I've had knowing many, many people who have AUD. Isn't that fun you to, have say? to say it like that? I do. For sure. A little bit more exciting, but alcoholism. Far more people are recovering, like I said in the beginning, from serious drug addictions than those who recover from alcoholism. What do you think some of the ideas? I'm just going to put you on the spot. Like what was maybe one thing that you would think about? You haven't been an alcoholic. No. But why, if you were an alcoholic, would it be harder for you to recover from that than someone who's homeless heroin addict? I, I would assume because it's something that is always available to me. And something that all of my, you know, friends or family would probably be doing around me. It'd be like me trying to stop drinking Diet Coke. Everywhere I go, there's Diet Coke. It's available. Yeah. That's a very good reason. I put down a also, few of Also, I hate Diet Coke. Yeah. So She's a Coke I Zero fan. thought I would say that. I'm going to give you my list, and I want to just briefly talk on a few of these. It's legal and easy to obtain. We just talked about that. I've had so many spouses or parents or even people in early their early addiction. Like, how how the heck do you ever find drugs? Like, where where do you go get <laughs> yeah. drugs? Like, I will tell you this. It doesn't take long to find them. But once you do, even though you all of a sudden are introduced to this enormous world. So let me just tell you right now. Every time you go to the gas station, convenience store, grocery store, anywhere that has a parking lot. There is drug deals going on all around you. If you just opened your eyes and paid attention to anything that looks suspicious, they're going on all around you. 
Don't go to a gas station with Danny because he sees. I it can all, spot him and I watch and him, and it's hilarious. Longer. Okay, but it is a little form of entertainment for me. But still, the process of getting alcohol is nothing other than walking into a place, hoping that you don't run into your neighbor, your bishop, your pastor, and just buying it. Yeah, like you don't need to know this secret world. I think that's the thing that is shocking to me because I I have a friend whose wife is an alcoholic, and I'm like. I don't get it. Like they know she's had DUIs, whatever. Why are they even selling it to her? And he's like, Oh my gosh, she doesn't go to the same places. Like she can just go to the next place. Yeah. This is the best part, right? Like no big deal because she's there. I mean, they can refuse her business, but they're not going to refuse selling her that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just hilarious when you think of it this way, it's also socially accepted and even encouraged. We all see the commercials. It doesn't matter if you're watching sports or not. It's, it's put out there in a way that, shows that it's beautiful, fun, yeah, exciting, right? Like Well, and it's normal. It's it, not like, ooh, this is different. Yes. It's like, duh. It's beer. easily justified and excusable. Yeah. Well, I'm just drinking. The reason I hate that more than any other aspect is because it it creates this stigma that somehow the people I've heard, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard this, someone goes to treatment, they have an alcohol disorder, AUD they go in and they say, oh, pff, I don't need to be here. Yes, okay, wow, I just had a DUI. I just wrapped my car around a telephone pole. I've been in a medically induced coma from alcohol withdrawals. I know things got crazy, but I'm not like those people in rehab, those drug addicts. Yeah. Just makes me want to like put my face through a drywall or something. Every single person thinks that they can somehow do it different or control it better. There is not, if you love an alcoholic, you've already heard this and you know this, there is not an alcoholic on the planet. And we're talking millions. There are millions and millions and millions of these. Half of our country, half of your community, if not more now because of COVID, half of them have alcoholism and every single one of them thinks that they can. Okay. 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 okay, Guys, I'm sorry. I know it just got bad. I know I just lost my job and I punched a family member in my face and I crashed my car. I just need to drink wine or beer instead of hard liquor. I know that will just solve the problem. It's ridiculous how every single alcoholic thinks that they just need to do it differently. They need to go about it different. They need to drink different things and it will change it or they can control it. I think that's huge. It is. Because to somebody that's not an alcoholic, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyone who's listening. I I wish you luck. Who might work in a treatment center or has been involved in this industry is laughing right now because they've heard this Every day of their life, so many times a day, it's ridiculous. And here's another thing that's difficult. There are people who can drink responsibly, right? That That's what's This hard. is the difference. Yes. If we're talking about shooting heroin, okay, we're not having the discussion that, okay, okay, this group of mom, don't worry. The group of friends I'm going today with are responsible, right? They're responsible heroin shooters. <laughs> yeah. You know, they call a cab. They have a designated driver. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. That makes it so difficult because there are people who drink at that company party or at the graduation or when they go on their vacation once a year that they look forward to. And then they come home and they get back to life. There are millions of people who do that, too. So the comparison, every alcoholic looks at those people and they either one envy them or they hate them because they want to be them. Yeah. And they're not. Right. That's what's difficult. And many people with alcoholism go home. Okay, let's say they go to treatment, they get help, they have a leg to stand on, 
they go home and guess what? They're surrounded by family members, friends, or people at work, whatever it is, that drink. Again, it's just, it's going to be there. It's never going to You know, my my addiction was opioids that, you know, transitioned into heroin, cocaine, other things like that, fentanyl, just like everybody else. I didn't come home and go to work or school or go to a family function and just see like half my family over there snorting Oxycontins or or doing cocaine. (laughs) However, all of those things I just listed, work, you know, family functions, you have people who drink. Yeah. It's always going to be, it's always going to be around you. And then lastly, one of the biggest challenges for people with alcoholism is the inability, right? The unthinkable thought, (laughs) the unthinkable fact of I cannot drink ever again. I'll tell you what, a lot of people who go into treatment for addictions to illicit drugs, you know, in their mind, they flirt with, Oh, maybe I could just drink down the road. But also, most of them are aware that things have gotten so bad that it is now black and white. It is life or death. Mm-hmm. I have got to figure out a way to live my life without doing it. It's the 100%. Yep. Right? It's not, I can just not do drugs, and then a couple times a year, I'm going to eat some marijuana edibles, or I'm going to drink some alcohol. When it gets that bad for them, that's why when I said at the beginning, far more people are recovering from illicit drug addictions than those who are from alcoholism. And that might be the biggest contributing factor. Every alcoholic leaves treatment if they ever get there, which is still the smallest percentage. If they ever get help and they're like, okay, yes, I need to do things differently. In their mind, they just have to do it different. In their mind, there will be a time when they can drink just like everybody else. Yep. Yep. That's what makes it so difficult. Okay, so we share this. What? what? What do we get from that? If your loved one is an alcoholic, Maybe you don't even consider them an alcoholic because that word's so crazy. They're just a binge drinker or an occasional drinker that gets out of hand. I want you to know that you have a bigger challenge ahead of you than anyone who has a loved one with a heroin, cocaine, meth addiction. You need help. You have a challenge in front of you that will be impossible to overcome by yourself even far more than these other impossible situations that I just described. Mm -hmm. Your loved one's going to need serious help, but getting them to that point is going to be one of the greatest miracles that happens in your life. Well, I love this topic too, because I do feel like, especially kind of in our community or in our culture um, here in Utah, drinking is looked at as different. Right. Maybe it's just like, oh, they drink. They're not supposed to. Less than these other things. But it's not, you know, that big of a deal. And that's where we get a major problem because then you'll have parents that kind of just look the other way, just kind of feel disappointed. I'm I'm so disappointed that my kid has started drinking. A poor choice. Uh, This is this is unfortunate. You know, if they walked in and their child's snorting alone, a line of cocaine off the table. Yeah. Mommy, yes. mommy freaking out, passing out, running down the hallway. I can't believe this. Yes. But yes, if it's like, but then if they are like, oh, I beer. found a bottle of Jack Daniels in my kid's room. I'm, I'm very disappointed. Yeah. Why would they do this? This is disappointing. And if there's anything you need to get from this, it's you need to drop the disappointment. That is just dumb. And, and look at this for what it is, which you could be looking at a very serious and life-threatening problem. And, and I know that, you know, in the past couple of years, we've had clients that are allowing their loved ones to just 
stay home and drink in their house because it's okay. I mean, they're just drinking. It's just, they're just kind of going through something. They're just depressed. You know, it's okay. Well, if they're self-medicating and it's excused because, okay, at least they're not out there driving. Right. 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 I'm just here to tell you right now, it is a serious thing. It is one of the biggest threats, alcohol and pornography. It's affecting far more people than you could ever, ever imagine. It's the one drug that actually catches me off guard with more people than any other thing. Mm -hmm. Right. People who come to me who even me with my eyes wide open are just, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Finding out so many different people in my life or come to know these people who I would have never assumed. Right. Because they're, they're what called closet drinkers. They're doing this on their own. They're self-medicating. So this topic really has no difference than the other topics as to what you're supposed to do. Well, stop harboring their secret. Okay. Stop making their secret of what they're doing, a secret of yours. Reach out and get help. Otherwise, you're just going to get steamrolled. If there's anything you get from this episode, if someone in your life is suffering from alcoholism who has a form alcohol disorder of some way or another, it's going to take a monumental effort, even more than if they had a drug addiction. Yep. So get ready. Get ready to fight the biggest fight ever because all of those reasons we listed, everything we covered, it shows you why this, this is, is impossible. This it is impossible. impossible. And you're going to need help because it only gets worse. It only gets better. Those statistics are terrible. If people who end up dead or in accidents, yeah, the domestic violence that eventually comes, it, alcohol has an ugly outcome. You know, a lot of these other drug addictions, they're, they're all ugly outcomes too, but usually a person just isolates and hides from everyone. Alcohol has a direct impact on everyone around you. Yes. So, but before, before you rush off, Dan... I want to talk about one more thing, and that is that the 100% rule really does apply, maybe even especially for anyone who is a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. And you've had a very poignant experience just this month with someone that you love that had this 98% bite them pretty hard. And I'd love for you to just kind of talk about that for a sec. Yeah, I guess I will. This one hurts, though. This is uh, someone I was in treatment with, what? 14, 15 years ago? About almost 15 years ago. Someone I looked up to. Someone who had an appearance that I've always wished I could have. Beautiful man. Very successful. Incredibly intelligent. Just an amazing person. He went... A decade, getting his life back together, learning to live the 100%. Mm -hmm. He had actually learned all the tools necessary. Unfortunately, he had to go through something hard. and Things had to get pretty bad for him to learn this lesson, just like me. But he did. And he built this beautiful life. And then the pressures, the crushing pressures of the work he's around. His job includes a lot of travel. Being around a lot of different groups where they're doing business deals all of those meetings at nice restaurants, on luxury boats, at hotels involve what? Alcohol. Alcohol. This person even had those closest to him who have actually helped fight to get him back to this point. Helped him create this lifestyle. Or even telling him, hey, yeah, you know, you were kind of funner when you used to drink. You're a little yeah. more outgoing. Kind of a little bit boring now. He had those pressures, not only from the pressures of being in these situations that wore on him. 
it all started with 2%. Just, just this once. Just this once or just in these certain situations, maybe with high-end clients, right? Mm-hmm. Like real optimal times where it was needed to not be a distraction because actually he was put into many situations where he was a distraction. If he wasn't, what? You don't drink? Why? Yeah. I just bought a $2,000 bottle of champagne and you're not going to have any? That's weird. So in order to not be a distraction, also combined with the pressure of you're not those, fun. those loved ones around him, it was just a couple little times. Also thinking, oh my gosh, I'm good now. It's been 10 years yeah, or more. I've got a grip on this. Recently reached out to me and his life is upside down. He's right back where he was. That 2% lasted for a period of time. And eventually the 2% took over. So it's a powerful concept. And again, I go back to the fact that, yes, it's impossible to go through recovery or life without making mistakes. But each time that you fall, you need to get back up with a 100% mentality. And I'm grateful it's something I've learned in my life. Going through a horrendous drug addiction tore me down. I mean, my life at one point was probably, well, no, my life at one point was more pathetic than anyone I've met to this point. Pathetic. Garbage. Waste of human life. It got to the point it was so dark and ugly, but it taught me this principle. I don't know if I would have learned this principle any other way. You, on the other hand, have figured it out naturally, like other people, you people who can do it naturally. But I had to go through some things really hard to understand. Okay, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but it is 100%. I can't dabble. I can't occasionally look at things I shouldn't. I occasionally can't take this substance or something to make me feel the way I can't feel on my own. I can't, even though it might be funner for that day, it might be better mm-hmm. for that moment. It might make that moment better. Sure. I've understood that that 2% is one of the most threatening things in my life. So episode 20, can't believe we've made it this far. I hope there was something beneficial. I hope that every time you end this podcast, you think I'm going to reach out for help. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to sit back and get steamrolled anymore and watch my loved one deteriorate while they destroy everything around them, including me mm-hmm. and the rest of our family. Stop doing it. Be the disruption. Get your family together. Reach out to me, anybody who does what I do and stop defining insanity. But reach out to him because no one's better at what <laughs> you do. Well, please reach out to me. Sorry, I'm always just trying to, to be humble and say anybody because anybody's better than nothing. True. But true. yes, I would love to help you. We're grateful you guys joined us. Have a beautiful week. Share this podcast with somebody. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye.